Have you ever wanted an instruction manual for your life? Something that went over the stuff that isn't always obvious? Or even some of the stuff that is? My name is Sarah Ramsey. I'm a singer, voice, performance, and growth coach, and I've spent a lifetime open to the lessons behind our experiences and seeking out pathways to becoming more enlightened, better humans. And I'm Dr. Stefan Rabnett. I've been a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine for over 20 years, and I'm also a Jay Shetty certified life coach. I've long been fascinated with our human superpowers, the ones we don't quite have the instruction manual for, and I'm forever curious about how we can unlock them. Welcome to This Big Life Podcast, where we have deeper conversations about the nature of existence, our place in it, and how we can leverage these things to create the life we want. Basically, we're bringing the woo-woo to you, you. But don't worry, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. And today's topic is gaslighting. And this is a term that I think is we've we've started to use a lot and heard a lot over the last like five to 10 years. It was something I remember I going through school, never heard of it. Um, but it's come to represent a lot of different things. And I think it's a really wonderful topic because it spans into all sorts of different areas of life. And I think it's a very worthwhile topic because obviously it, in a way, is about empowerment and the convex of that, disempowerment. Anyways, I'm excited to dive into this today with respect to gaslighting. Sarah, first of all, what are your what are your thoughts? Like, can we start by saying, like, what is gaslighting? Yeah. So the definition, like the dictionary definition of gaslighting is to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Interesting. That is the yes. actual definition of gaslighting. I wonder when it made it into an official definition. I couldn't tell you. That's fair. <laughs> that's and, totally... and to be fair, that was like a Google search definition. I don't I don't know that that's like a Merriam-Webster uh, definition, but, you know, that's the gist of it, right? To manipulate yeah. someone psychologically yeah. into questioning their own sanity. And I yeah. think that's actually the tipping point right there is the when we start to really question ourselves. Interesting. So, OK. Manipulating people that good Lord, manipulation is a time tested <laughs> tactic of human behavior. But it's that that tipping point of when we really start to question ourselves as a result of that manipulation. That's yeah. when it gets into the gaslighting. Interesting. Yeah, because there's a lot of gray area with respect to that. But I, I agree. And because, you know, when, when we look at it, that psychological manipulation, there's a lot of different questions that can kind of come up in terms of does a gaslighter always know that they're gaslighting? Mm -hmm. Right. That's an interesting question. I think generally speaking, yes. Like I, I think because this was it was based on that movie, like it was from the 40s or something. Right. With Ingmar Berman or something. And I, I think it was and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like, um, you know, this, this husband was manipulating his wife into basically that questioning her reality and that she was going crazy. And 
I'm totally butchering this synopsis, but I think that there was like a, a private investigator or something that helped out. And basically, it, basically part of it was like the lamps, like the gaslit that the husband was like, oh, you know, you're crazy. You think they're, they're just lighting themselves, right? Basically. And, and he would be lighting them and, and whatnot. And um, I think it, that's where kind of it came from. And eventually at the end, I believe in the movie that it, it had an okay kind of outcome. But I think that that's became that term because just that, like we were like that husband in that situation wanted something, you know, from mm-hmm. that relationship and manipulated it to the point that the wife kind of really questioned her own reality. Like, oh my gosh, is there a ghost? Like what's happening? Am I going crazy? Like these lamps are lighting themselves. And I think that's where, you know, the term gas lighting or gas lit kind of comes from. I think that I have to go back and uh, school myself on some old school cinema because <laughs> I, I I did not know any of that, actually. And again, I I have a segment of my brain where stuff that really doesn't matter resides. And that's where that's kind of coming from. Not that that doesn't matter, but I could also be partially incorrect with respect to that one. Mm. But I think that's the general kind of idea. And I think what it started as is just that, like that aspect of gaslighting in relationships, like that kind of clear, like kind of putting somebody else down for whatever reason, questioning their reality in order to, as the gaslighter, feel better about themselves, whatever, whatever the goal kind of is, is kind of, of doing that. And it seems as this has become more apparent, um, it seems like there's all then there's different forms of gaslighting that we're using, or we're using that term to describe a number of different kinds of relationships, not just romantic relationships, mm-hmm. but like parent relationships, medical relationships. And then more, I think more recently, we're looking at, okay, like societal stuff, right? So racial stuff, different structures, yeah. like basically kind of systemic stuff. And I, I do, and again, I feel okay doing this to a certain degree because I think this is a term that is kind of new and we're using, but I I really look at it as kind of being synonymous with like a disempowerment, right? So like in that original one, like that husband disempowered the woman be like, Oh, you know, you're crazy, you know? And basically, so she questioned herself, as you said, like the question, the reality and the same thing with that systemic aspect with the different kind of societal structures as, as, as basically people being disempowered because they're being quote told a certain thing like oh you guys you know this you know this segment of the population you're not smart enough or no 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 you can't make it or like oh no no if you don't have this you don't have that or that symptom's not real exactly and that's the medical part right, right. and it's interesting so and and that's why i think i was thinking about the medical one a little bit just cuz I, you know, I've been around that a little bit throughout my career. And, you know, I, I can see how the doctor kind of saying that's all in your head, right? Mm. Especially for the old school stuff is based on a few things. Like they're not necessarily, but this is, I guess, this is a question for you. Like how much are they consciously aware that they're gaslighting their patient? Yeah, I think that this is um it's an excellent question when we're talking about gaslighting and it's an excellent question when we're talking about all the different contexts of gaslighting because i do think that there are 
situations, you know, especially if you're talking about like narcissistic personality disorder and a, a lot of that sort of end of the spectrum that frankly, I don't know a whole lot about, but I think when we're into that end of the spectrum, it can be very intentional and very calculated and people know exactly what they're doing when they're doing it. I think for a lot of people, the manipulation is intentional in that they're looking to get their desired outcome. They're not really necessarily trying to make somebody else question their sanity. That's just a byproduct of the process. So I don't think it's as nefarious as, I don't think it's always as nefarious as uh, it it might seem, but I think the end results to the person who is being gaslit is the same regardless. And and yeah, in a medical context, I mean, I've been on the receiving end of that as a patient, right? Because yeah. I've had chronic health issues my whole life. I've, uh, I mean, I've been in doctor's offices where they've literally made me cry because they've said, why on earth are you here? Like, what what made you think you had the right to come and see me as a specialist? Literally. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, because I, you know, have these symptoms and you're the doctor for those symptoms. And my GP sent me to you. So, like, you know what I mean? Totally. So, I, 100% it happens in the medical field. Do I think that doctor was intentionally trying to manipulate me into questioning my sanity? No, I don't. Do I think that doctor had a bit of a God complex and was just an asshat? Yep, sure do. Yeah, well, I'm sorry that Dr. Asshat kind of had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. And because it, it, I, I think some of that is also based on, and I think we can kind of translate this over to the societal aspect is too, is for that doctor's perspective, he's almost has this psychological fear potentially because he doesn't know. So if it doesn't fit into, as a doctor, you have these kind of preconceived like segments or boxes to put things. Mm -hmm. And if something doesn't fit there or whatever, or doesn't qualify for something, then not knowing what to, where to put it, I think in order to kind of, so they're afraid of questioning their own reality, their own mm -hmm. structure of their yeah. God doctorness of incredibleness they pass that on and be like, no, that's a, that's a, that's a you thing. Right. And through that. And I think we see that also with the society as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a, a lot of the hate that we see is based on fear, right. Fear basically with respect to their own stuff. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about this too, because just to jump around as we tend to, but like, you know, there's the types of the gaslighting and that other one with respect to being a parent, Right. And mm -hmm. so as a, like a parent now myself, I've got a four-year-old, you know, I can see how, um, you know, in different contexts of day-to-day -day stuff, like things kind of come up and I, I sometimes question like researching this a little bit is like, do I gaslight my son at all? Right. Do mm -hmm. I not to make them intentionally, I would never obviously intentionally make them mm -hmm. question, but you know, like, you know, you're just being overly dramatic or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, like whatever the case is. And I'm very conscious to try not to say that, but I can feel that when, when there's that little level of frustration builds as a reaction, sometimes there's that kind of potential of disempowerment, right? Even yeah. though logically I would never want to do that with my son. Like I would never want to do that with Leo. Of course not, never. But when we're in that reactionary state, 
it's surprisingly easier to do than we would, I think, often like to admit. Absolutely. Especially as adults, we're the ones who wield the power with our children. Right. Right. And because I think that's a good point, too, because we're set up. So suddenly we have this this power, this structure that we're not necessarily used to on a certain Mm -hmm. level. And then sometimes it kind of acts out in a certain way. But um, yeah, so I I find it fascinating. And and I think um, and again, on that kind of aspect of disempowerment and something, one question that I wanted to ask you is, can we gaslight ourselves? Ah. That's an interesting, that's an interesting take on it. I'm going to return to the kids in a sec because I got something to say there. But can we gaslight ourselves? We can do a lot of things to ourselves. I don't know that I would go so far as to use that terminology for ourselves. But the sort of feeling behind it, I, I do think that we can abandon ourselves. I think that we can lie to ourselves. I think we can disempower ourselves to the point where we question ourselves incessantly. I think we can do a lot of those things. I don't know that I would use the term gaslighting. I I don't know that I would make it that extreme, quite frankly. But I do think a lot of the behaviors that go with it, absolutely, we can foist upon ourselves. And if if we're not aware, and if we don't stay aware and attend to our self-care and attend to our own emotional intelligence. Yeah, well said. And I and you know, having you having you say that, I I, I tend to agree. Like I, I didn't want to equate them all, but when I was looking through kind of different mm-hmm. aspects of gaslighting, you know, I've seen this with other people that I work with, and I've seen it even as different points of view we have internally, because we usually have those different mindsets, like different kind of yeah. you know frames or glasses that we wear. And some of them, that self-sabotaging kind of aspect of something to, to question, oh, I'm not good enough, you know, aspect, mm-hmm. it seemed kind of similar. But I also don't want to take away from the interpersonal and societal aspect of that disempowerment that I yeah. think more is what gaslighting is and, and kind of what you're saying, basically. So, Okay. I want to come back to the the parent-child role for a second. Um, As you were talking about that experience and and sort of examining that experience that you have with Leo, it made me really look at my experience as a parent parenting multiple children. Because I have, Mm. my kids are all adult children now, but as younger children, one of my kids was a much more difficult child to parent. He had a lot of uh, behavioral stuff that over time was ultimately diagnosed. Well, he was diagnosed with a few things. He was diagnosed with ODD, which I think was a misdiagnosis, actually. Um, Ultimately, he was diagnosed with ADD, which I think was the correct diagnosis. He came out as trans in his middle teen years, but prior to that, um, lived in a mer- very like male-centric way, but didn't have it figured out yet. So I think there was a lot of sort of internalized dysmorphia happening there. There were a lot of things happening, right? There was a lot of anger. There were a lot of angry outbursts. 
there was a lot of anxiety. All three of my kids deal with anxiety, but uh, there was a lot of uh, anxiety that came out. And this is a bit of an ADD hallmark of like constant repetitive questions where <laughs> they, they're very tiring, right? But as a kid, I also know that asking me 11 times what time we have to be there was also just his way of like getting comfortable with it. Point being, when the angry outbursts would happen, sometimes they were directed towards himself. Sometimes they were directed towards me. Sometimes they were directed towards siblings. As a parent, it was very, a very hard balance for me to attend to the needs of all three of my children in that context. So in retrospect, if we're talking about kind of gaslighting in, in a parent-child relationship, there was probably some of that that went on um, no matter how I sliced it. Because I was attending to somebody's needs and not attending as well to somebody else's needs. If I was paying attention to the, the child who was having all the angry outbursts, I wasn't caring as well for the kids who were on the receiving end of that, or who perceived me as letting the child who was having all the outbursts get away with it and, and not disciplining, even though that wasn't actually the best like way forward. If I was attending to the kids who were on the receiving end of the angry outburst, then I wasn't attending to the needs of the child who was doing the outbursting. You know what I mean? So I think, and, and I was a single parent, so there was no other um, adult in the house to split that with me. In any given situation, it was just me and I could only be in one place at once. So I think... Um, once again, I don't know that I would go so far as to use the term gaslighting, but I think the premise behind it, oh. that, that business of, you know, the, the kids, the, the child who was doing the bursting out often was the one that got my attention because it was the more critical in the moment, the kids who were on the receiving end of that, um, I think often felt like I wasn't dealing with the situation properly or I wasn't attending to them or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't whatever the, the end of that sentence needed to be. I wasn't doing whatever they needed. And, and they would question whether they were like, you know, sort of question their reality in terms of like, are, are their feelings about this real? Because mom's not attending to it that way. So I think that the the premise behind it, I, like I say, I wouldn't go so far as to call it gaslighting, but the the general premise being that, yeah, I think some of those things exist in parent-child relationships. And I think it's that much more exacerbated when you have more than one child and fewer than two parents. <laughs> well, totally. Like, seriously, like what else do you do? Like, I think looking I, back, like what would you do differently? I don't know well, that I, I could. And when you throw a lot of my other personal stuff into the health issues and whatever, like I just frankly only had so much energy and do we all make mistakes in parenting? 100%. Could I have done things differently? Probably. Did I know what to do differently at the time? I did not. 
No, of course not. So yeah, I agree. So yeah, you know, I wouldn't call that gaslighting. And you know, it may. I think it's you know, you make an interesting point, and I do believe this. And I I try not to use this as like uh, a scapegoat for parenting stuff, but just how we used to think that you know a completely sterile environment mm. for bacteria was good for like. Uh, our immune systems were realizing actually, mm-hmm. no, you need a little bit of bacteria to strengthen your immune system. And yeah. I think the same is emotionally, right? We can't have a completely sterile emotional environment. We need those emotional little hurdles to kind of help us grow. So in a way, as a parent, it's kind of our duty in a little bit to kind of have these little things to kind of have people have our children kind of persevere and grow because it's impossible to be perfect. We can't. So there is that. And I agree with you as kind of in that aspect Agreed. of what could you have done differently? And, and can I just interject a little thought here? I think that the mm-hmm. most important part, I know this is not a show about parenting, but in that we're in this realm for just a minute, I think actually the most important step about that is that as my children have grown, I have made it a point to have regular conversations about those things that were painful in their childhood and make sure that they know that that is an open conversation and anytime they need to talk to me about it, that I'm open to that conversation and I'm open to them telling me how they feel like I failed. Like that is not an experience I got with my own parents. And it's important to me to make sure that they know that they can talk to me and say, here's how I wish I'd had a better experience. And that's okay. We can talk about that. Totally. Yeah. And that's awesome. And that takes a lot of courage because I think a lot of us have the reflex of mm-hmm. then going into the wrongness of us. Like, oh my gosh, like if I hear how something could have been different, then therefore I'm bad. Or, and then we can kind of weigh ourselves down with that. But so it takes a lot of courage to kind of do that. I know personally, like with, as a parent, you know, I, I get frustrated. Right. And um, there's elements where I, what I try to really do to help myself is ask myself, okay, where is this coming from? Right? Like, you know, if if Leo's taking forever to get his shoes on, because we've got to go to school and we're late and stuff. And he's just playing with his toys on the ground and he's just being him. Right. And I know that on a logical level, but part of me is just like, okay, I got a meeting. I got to go go do this and and this type of thing. If I feel that kind of squeeze Mm -hmm. of something kind of come up, it's just like, okay, where is this coming from? And then it just kind of helps me kind of come down. And I think, Jumping back to kind of this gaslighting thing, I think one thing where we really like kind of one tipping point to where it is gaslighting and not gaslighting, and this is a very arbitrary line, but here we are talking about it, is when something becomes a label, right? So it's not like an event of necessarily, well, okay, but if we're labeling, we're making a conclusion that, you know, usually isn't like a progressive one, like someone is lazy, someone is a drama queen, someone is this, and we create this label. And then the child or somebody in this case, the child starts to identify with it. Then that is where that kind of, it's gone from gas (laughs) sparking to gaslighting, right? Like it's just kind of like, it it kind of (laughs) takes, (laughs) <laughs> a gas leak. There we go. I like that. Goes from a gas leak mm-hmm. to boom, right? That sucker's lit. So I think the labels, right? And again, that's where we know we, on one level, obviously we can see why using labels or generalizations is helpful because in there's so much 
everythingness and data in the world and society that compartmentalizing does serve a benefit, but it can be very, I don't want to say dangerous, but it can have impacts. Right. And that's where like when we, when certain segments of society, Mm -hmm. we are like, Oh, they're this. Right. And we can have a label that's like three key characteristics. Then that's where usually I think, um, things end up being disempowered. Right. I agree. So labeling is a big part of it. So now this gets into the area, I think, of when when you are the recipient, at what point do you draw the boundary versus at what point do you, if this is somebody that you care about versus a doctor or a stranger or a like, it's different when you're dealing with someone who is not in your uh, day-to-day existence, right? That's a different mm-hmm. kind of needing to deal with it. But if it's like a loved one, whether that's a partner or a parent or a sibling or a whatever, family member, friend, but someone that is in your more day-to-day sphere, at what point do you need to draw the boundary to take care of yourself and, and put a stop to the behavior or put a stop to the relationship versus at where do you like work with it and try and heal through it? Well, that's a rather large <laughs> <Isn't> question. <it> <laughs> right? And you know, the, the, the usual caveat is like, well, every situation 100%. is different, even within two, like a one relationship, yes. every situation is different. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the tool is tools is is yeah. asking questions, right? Asking questions of our subconscious to kind of change our filters. So if I'm the gaslighty mm-hmm. in the relationship and somebody is like, I'm just like, hey, wait a minute, I kind of always like kind of feel bad. And I think that's the thing with gaslighting is we often don't know mm-hmm. we're being gaslit, right? That's the whole kind of aspect because we're questioning, you're like, oh, it's me. Oh yeah, it must be me. Oh, it must be me. So there's that aspect. But if you start to have an idea like, am I? I think the question, which is a great question to ask all the time anyways, but especially like this is what is honoring myself look like here? And that then I think kind of doesn't make it an either or situation, right? In terms of, oh my gosh, do mm-hmm. I have to leave? Do I not have to leave? What does it do? Like what would have it been just like, if we focus from that aspect of what does honoring myself look like here, then sometimes our filters and what we look at and our mindset changes that it's easier to get a little bit of clarity with respect to that Mm -hmm. because ultimately none of us should be in a relationship or Mm -hmm. whether or not it's romantic or otherwise where we feel or we are being completely disempowered. Yes. Right. Regardless. And I think what happens though, is people convince themselves, you know, there's that line where you can explain something, explaining and excusing is different. And I think people in relationships are very adept, especially because there is, you know, we're not 100% anything, right? So even with people that are kind of championship caliber gaslighters in a relationship are likely going to have some element of progressive joy or love or positiveness in them. And as a gaslighty, you know, you often probably will see that part. And then it's easy to explain away that other bit in terms of, oh, well, they had that, you know, their childhood, like, you know, let's say, you know, Joe, you know, is the gaslighter and stuff. Well, Joe's mom, you know, and parents were so horrible to him and he's had it hard and he's doing the best he can. So, you know, 
I'm therefore going to kind of put up with whatever Mm -hmm. that is and play that kind of role. And um, so I think there's sometimes a tendency to kind of do that feel and then like, oh, well, you know, again, like in with relations, well, I don't want to upset the apple cart because, you know, if this is this or we have kids or whatever, we very easily go into the significance of if there's any change, what does that mean? And then that becomes too stressful. So we're like, well, I'm not even going to open door number two. I'm going to kind of be, continue to be quote unquote unconscious and just kind of take it on myself and I'll be the burden and I'll feel lesser than myself in order to preserve something. So asking, I think if we can have the awareness to ask ourselves that question, what does honoring myself look like here? It takes the, the what of how that looks a, a little bit out of it. And just kind of focuses on that feeling of honoring yourself. And then with that set, hopefully, then there can be potentially some change initiated or having the courage to be like, actually, this isn't okay. Like, we need to talk about this, Joe. And um, apologies (laughs) to all the Joes out there. But that's just, you're used to it by now. With that name, you're used to it by now. (laughs) But for all that, for, for that aspect, um is to be able to kind of wanting to make change and knowing even though it's uncomfortable that change can really benefit everybody, Mm. even the gaslighter, which is the irony and kind of everything of it. Anyways, that was a bit of a tangential answer to your kind of question there. It's a fantastic answer. It's a fantastic answer. Um, And I think you're right. I I think assessing how, how you are showing up for yourself. I, also think that it is worth in a given situation kind of looking at like is this a one-off thing which doesn't make it more acceptable but it does shift the balance a little bit i think like is this a behavior that this person exhibits over and over again is this a repeat behavior a repeat dynamic in this relationship or was this a a weird one-off situation and maybe there's let me put it this way if it's a weird one-off situation that's going to have me looking at okay what else was driving that because that's yeah. probably not just who that person is or just how our relationship is what are the other factors that were contributing there that i'd be a little bit more willing to look at it kind of from the perspective of like what drove that person to that behavior this time that was different. That was, yeah. Yeah. And I think being, if I was on the receiving end of it, I I would not that it would make it um, like, I still think it needs to be addressed <laughs> either way for me and who I am. It would still need to be addressed either way, but it, I I would have more room to work with it if it was a weird one-off than if it was a pattern. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's challenging in the moment to kind of have that clarity and awareness, right. To, 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 to look right. Oh, I think all of that is hindsight. Cause in a perfect world we'd be like, yeah. Hey, that's gaslighting buddy. What's, what's going on there. Right. And then we're like, Oh, okay. You know, but we, that's the thing. We all go into our patterns of yeah. the past and different aspects where we feel less than and then the there's a similar theme of the you're less than that we take on. So suddenly we're like, 
you know, I'm an eight year old Steph and be like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. You know, or like, or like whatever. And we're that aspect. So it is very, very challenging to see it differently. And yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think this is just to kind of jump around a little bit. I think because sometimes, so we can't really have mm-hmm. that clear picture, right? We don't really realize it's happening to us. And I think this becomes apparent almost sometimes with friends. So I think sometimes, you know, we have friends with respect to and their relationships. So I mean, so like, it's like we can see something and I don't know if you've, you've had this, but you know, I've had friends and friends of friends where just like you can, you know, you hear about the relationship and you're like, ah, uh, that doesn't sound too mm-hmm. empowering to me. Right. But I know okay, it's not my place on one level mm-hmm. to kind of say something. So I find that is an interesting dynamic when you can see that there's gaslighting happening, that those gas torches are being lit. And when do we say something in that situation? (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, great question. I I think that's I think that that's a bigger question. I, I don't actually think it's so much pertinent to just a gaslighting situation. I think that's, you know, when when do we speak up about our loved ones' relationships? Well, probably really only if invited. Yeah. Unless yeah. I, I mean, really, that that's the standard, I think. It's it's not my business, it's not my relationship. And unless I see that you are being like physically abused, and I'm I'm hesitating because I'm trying to figure out why I'm drawing the line between mental abuse and physical abuse because gaslighting is mental abuse. Mm -hmm. So why is it okay to speak up if I know that my friend is getting smacked around and I'm going to speak up and say to that friend, you need to get out of that situation and how can I help you do that? Why would I speak up then and not when I see that mentally they're being smacked around? Go on. And I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it's interesting. Because I, I, you know, again, those caveats is like, we only can choose for ourselves, right? And so on, yes, one big picture, like, you know, the more we honor ourselves, you know, when it's going to help our friends honor them. But it is an interesting question, because there is like emotional abuse, like mental abuse, spiritual, like all these abuses, right, that are kind of usually fall into the gaslighting kind of aspect. They can obviously be dis be damaging right and it's not a higher abuse is abuse yeah. it's just like devastation is devastation right we, we can say well you know this person lost you know 100 you know people versus well i only lost 50 so therefore right like and so there, there's and it's the same type of aspect it's like this questioning your reality or disempowerment potentially and it is an interesting question because we can't or can we i don't necessarily think it's we can, or it's our sole responsibility to take them away from that situation. You know, potentially we can point things out to them in the sense of, again, question, like, is this working for you? Are you guys talking about this? I'm getting a sense of whatever. And ultimately letting, knowing it's not our place to solve it, but that doesn't mean honoring ourselves doesn't mean either saying something or this is a tough one too. Like if you say, you know, say you've been gaslit and I don't, I don't want to necessarily use like gaslit and abuse Synony- like, yeah. like synonymously, but to a certain, to a certain degree, yeah. there, there's, there's a little bit of overlap. So let's say we've been in a relationship where we were totally gaslit, right? Like totally, 
totally gaslit. And then we were able to kind of extract ourselves from the situation. We were empowered in a certain way and that, that relationship ended. And then we were seeing that then say we have another friend and we were seeing it in their relationship. And we say said something and then the person, our friend, um, for you know no judgment but for through lots of you know legitimate reasons wanted to mm-hmm. stay in that relationship and we find that kind of triggering or whatever for ourselves is that being quote unquote a bad friend then if eventually we don't want as much of that friendship in our lives because we honor because we don't want that i don't think so i i think so as we're talking through this, I'm I'm sort of backtracking what I said a minute ago about, you know, here's where we speak up. I don't actually um think that there is just a pat answer to that. I I I A, I don't actually think it's ever our place to tell somebody what they have to do in a relationship. I think that we can open the door to a viewpoint and make it clear that we're willing to talk to our friend about it and support them in their choices. And if it gets to a point where they are making choices that we can no longer watch and support, then we have to wish them well and kind of break up with that friend. And to be honest, I have watched a friend go through this. So at, at arm's length there were, and it wasn't gaslighting it, but there was some substance abuse. So a, a friend who was a couple, there was some substance abuse. The one partner quit for a while, but then started up again. And the wife chose to continue with that partner. And the friend ultimately said like that, this is not an okay situation. This, there's, there's a lot of not okayness here and I can't, support you anymore so the friendship ended but actually that still might have been the right call for both people right like the the relationship the the spouses in the relationship it might even though there's the issue of the substance use and all that that does within a relationship it still might be the right call for those people to be putting their relationship first and the friend, it still might be the right call to say, I cannot participate in that dynamic anymore. So I have to care for myself by exiting. And I think that yeah. um, like that just happens to be the specifics of that relationship. But the same could be in play in a gaslighting situation where, you know, you offer your help, you offer uh, your help with a a way out you offer support and you offer that for as long as possible and ultimately we all have to take care of ourselves yeah absolutely so if continuing to support that it becomes damaging to to your own self then you have to make your exit yeah no very well said but very well said and i think again you know if that person or you know were to ask themselves that question what does honoring myself look like here they kind of nailed it, right? Like for that situation. And I guess, and that's what's interesting about all these types of situations is there's no blueprint. It's not like, okay, you do a certain threat, like certain kind of combination and bam, you know, something happens or you should take action if this, this, but being present and aware enough 
to know what progression looks like and honoring mm-hmm. yourself looks like. And that can look different in every situation. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's an interesting one, you know, and I think, you know, we do see it a lot in families with respect to relationships, like say, you know, an uncle and an aunt or like, you know, distant ones where, you know, they're kind of together, they've settled into a pattern, but there's aspects where you're just like, well, that doesn't seem like the most empowering mm-hmm. dynamic for, you know, such and such a person. And what do we do about that? Do I just forget it? Do I just gloss it over? Do I just tell myself it's their choice? Do I, you know, and I don't think there's a, there's not a perfect answer for, oh, you do this or you do that. Is you allow yourself to come to it anew every yeah. time it enters your awareness. And how often do we, like, especially in family relationships, do we actually make the choice? <laughs> do we make the choice to actually sort of abandon ourselves for the sake of maintaining the family relationship. Oh, totally. You know, oh, I'm just going to go to that family dinner, even though it makes me right horribly uncomfortable because person X and person Y, I can't stand that relationship or I can't stand this dynamic, but I'm not going to rock the boat. That's exactly it, right? And I think a lot of us are kind of those... Um, that that's our function and value. We grew up in an environment and we were like the don't rock the boaters. We were the peacekeepers. We we're the people pleasers, yeah. like stabilize, right. you know, everything's okay. Right. So we'll st- okay. Well, at one level we tell ourselves, well, I have the capacity to hold on a lot of stuff. So I'll put myself through something in order to stabilize. And is that really progressive for everybody? Nope. But it sure does keep a lot of patterns in place. <laughs> it does right and yeah. for ourselves too right so because we have value in that because it's just like a lot of us i think go through like okay well i'm the stabilizer i'm the one that's going to make people kind of i'm going to defuse yeah. i'm the diffuser right and in doing so though is that really conducive and helping them well i think there's actually two sides of that i think yes we are um maintaining (laughs) flawed relationships and dynamics by doing that sometimes it actually is the way we take care of ourselves though it is the i don't have the energy yeah to set off the ripple effect that actually doing anything about this would cause so in fact sometimes the best way to take care of myself is to maintain the status quo that can also be true. I like it. Exactly. Okay. I I totally agree with you again, because if, you know, that question of what does honoring myself look like here, every possibility is a possibility. Absolutely. Right. But it's being able to kind of be present enough to kind of ask that question and be present with that kind of situation, which obviously can be challenging, but yeah. Interesting. So yeah, it's interesting also, I think how we really tended towards relationships here, because I think that's where the gaslighting one, I guess that movie, mm-hmm. that's where it kind of came from. But it's also that aspect of interplay that is easy to overlook things because there is some value with us overlooking yeah. things, right? Like with respect to in relationships. So if I'm, well, I don't want to kind of upset things. And so, you know, the term we use, I think, in relationships, like in a kind of fun way, is quote unquote the price of admission. Yep. Right. Like we kind of start to use that now, like, oh, is that the price of admission? They do that, they store, mm-hmm. or they do that, you know, whatever. But then suddenly we can kind of use that term for a lot of different things. 
right? And so I think, and so well, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what I would be without this. So I'm going to put up with this price of admission, and I'm just going to say that the price of admission is just expanding or kind of getting higher. But it it really the amount of disempowerment that happens in relationships is is very interesting because I think also what we do is we play with our close relationships. We play out those inner dynamics in an exterior environment, <laughs> right? So my own say aspects of, you know, self-judgment or I'm not good enough or whatever, then suddenly gets played out in the stage of this relationship because it's the most prominent stage. Usually it's the one that we're used to being somewhat vulnerable or not putting whatever out into kind of society. So I think a lot of stuff kind of comes out with respect so to relationships. It's usually the safest stage. Yeah. It's the most forgiving. Yeah, right? it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you know what, on that sort of in that same vein, taking it out of the realm of close relationship and looking back to the medical model, I think there's a place where we accept medical gaslighting as a patient because so many people go into a medical setting, just like, again, average Joe, go into, sorry, Joe, go into a medical setting with the fixed assumption that the doctor knows more than they do about their body. Yeah, interesting. And so when the doctor tells them that what they are coming in with, what they feel has no basis or isn't valid, they're willing to take that and not question it so that it's not even always perceived as gaslighting now some of the time there is actually medical evidence to support that but a good doctor is going to explain why yeah a doctor who is coming at it from what i would consider more of a gaslighting perspective is just going to say that's not the way it is totally oh interesting with no explanation whatsoever and so many people are not willing to yeah. be the squeaky wheel. And our medical system, as we know, is so horribly broken. You have to be the squeaky wheel or you don't get anywhere. So if you are not willing to ask and ask and ask and ask again, the same question to usually different practitioners and I want a referral and I want, and I want, and you kind of have to go in asking for what you want. If you're not willing to be that person, if you're just willing to accept whatever the doctor happens to say, um, you don't get anywhere in our system as it's set up right now. Totally. No, I know. I agree. Right. The systems generally are kind of catered to that and it's, it's unfortunate, and that's what it is. And, and this brings me sorry to jump around here a little bit. I would just there's you know there's different types of gaslighting, there's, or at least you know again yeah there's infinite types of gaslighting. We can't do this, but as this has been something that's been written about mm-hmm. more in journals, and people are talking about it as way of kind of and again here here I am saying let's not <laughs> label it, but we'll label it a little. So basically, you know there's there's the there's the lying yeah. like, and we can use this in the context of relationships too. Like there's the outright lying, like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Even though you did do that. Um, there's the reality manipulation. So, you know, that's like, um, you know, husband and wife goes out, go out for dinner and the husband starts mm-hmm. flirting with the waitress and stuff like that. They've been being a bit of adult 
And then the wife says something like, hey, like, Joe, I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> Joe. All the Joes out there. But again, yeah, poor Joe. Jovial <laughs> Joe. I like all the Joes. I, all the Joes I've met, I love. But for some reason, Joe's coming up. So, and, you know, Joe, and then Joe goes to his wife, oh, you're just jealous. You're just jealous. You're, yeah. I'm just having fun. You're just jealous. So I think that's the kind of the reality manipulation. So they're like, oh, okay, maybe am I... Oh yeah, it must be me. I must be like the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that scapegoat, scapegoat, basically. Like, you know, I guess in the same situation is just then Joe's like, "Well, you're not giving me any attention, right? You don't give me any attention at home, mm-hmm. so it's your fault. It's your fault, right?" So that's that kind of scapegoat kind of aspect. Um, and I think, and then there's the coercion, like basically, well, if you don't do this, mm-hmm. then this is going to happen, right? And there's that aspect. And going back to that, the medical thing is we really have that reality manipulation. Like, oh, you're just, yeah. you're just crazy. Like you're just, ugh, you're just whatever. Like, you know, there's yeah. nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, don't, even though, you know, it's interesting because the doctor is like, okay, I know that I don't want to be looked at as an over prescriber mm-hmm. or over whatever. So, you know, I have to have my own filters to not send everybody that comes into the specialist. So I have to have this preconceived idea. So all these things that have nothing to actually do with the patient, what's happening right there, right? And that all kind of goes into those, the different types in that situation. I think the reality manipulation is, is a big one with respect to medical things. And then coercion as well, because I know sometimes with, especially now with doctors, like, you know, where we live in British Columbia, finding a family doctor is a challenge, right? So that coercion comes in is just like, well, you know, you're just like, well, I don't want to rock this boat because I kind of want a doctor. So, you know, and basically the energy coming from the doctor can be like, well, if you don't kind of take what I'm saying, then I'm going to fire you as a patient (laughs) and you can go wait in an emergency room for a while when you need something. And again, there's not all doctors, right? Like I know very amazing, incredibly kind. One million percent have some great doctors in our camp. Yes. And... And I've been very fortunate that all my interactions with doctors have been, have been very positive, but I can see how the system kind of creates that, right? And again, that's that aspect of the system kind of creating an environment where it's very easy for gaslighting to occur because it's it has value, right? For lack of a better term in those circumstances, because there's things don't operate in a perfect world. There are pressures on the system, on the doctors, on the patients, on everything. So in a perfect world, we start as like a clean slate. The only thing that's relevant is the present moment, but that's kind of rarely the case. So what do we do about it? It gets so complicated, especially when, like you say, in the (laughs) medical system uh, here, because it's so broken and we've, you know, we had to, not me, my husband, we had to fire his doctor actually and he's now been without a doctor for like two years because hey this is a very funny aside story but i just have to tell it anyway because it's not gaslighting it's just crazy town my husband was off work for um uh a leave and the doctor had to fill out some paperwork so we were in the doctor's office to fill out some paperwork he filled out the form and then the doctor got up and stood in front of the door so we were physically trapped in the room and he started talking to us about how, co- so this was about two years ago. So like we were maybe six months into COVID at this point. Doctors started talking about how COVID wasn't real and he knew the cure for COVID. So how those things can occur simultaneously, I don't know. 
and how the government was attributing all of his patient deaths for the last 10 years to COVID and how uh, aliens were real. And then like started going into all these, (laughs) all these other conspiracy theories. And he told us that he wanted us to know, like, like the truth was about to come out in mainstream media. And he wanted us to know that we'd heard it first from our doctor. And we left doctor. There we go. We left that appointment. And I said, so that's your doctor, not mine. But if it was my doctor, I would never be setting foot in that office again. Interesting point of view. So that is not quite so much gaslighting, but we sure as hell did fire that doctor because, you know. No, well, fair. And I think that's it's not even so much about, I mean, maybe, but it's it's not what we say. It's there's it could be an energy behind what we say, right? Like whether or not like it's a righteousness, different things. Cause you know, maybe we, we will have an alien topic podcast <laughs> at some point, but, <laughs> but I know what you mean, but it was honoring yourself was not to continue right. that relationship. Right. And it's really good that you did that because I think so often in the, you know, we feel we have to put ourselves into relationships that don't honor us in order to get what we feel like we want. Right. And especially, you know, in the medical aspect in relationships in terms of to have that sense of value. And again, it might seem strange. Like, well, how do you feel valued if you're in this gaslit situation? Well, we all have those aspects of it in the terms of, well, I'm wanted, even if it's for layers that aren't spectacular, there is still that kind of comfort yep. in the discomfort. And uh, I think that's why, you know, we, we stay in these different things. And that's why ultimately for me, you know, there's no judgment, Yeah. right? Like not judging someone for staying, not even, I mean, I hate to say this, this is another topic, but even not even judging the gaslighter, because I think in a certain level, judgment keeps us in the patterns that facilitate abuse. So not judging something doesn't mean not leaving it. That's different. And it doesn't mean approving of it. Right. Because we can still have action. Either. Exactly. It it does mean not changing it. It means judgment in a way is very synonymous with abuse. Right. And just different cycles of abuse and stuff like that. So, and if we were to take judgment out of it, in my experience, when we take judgment out of it, whether or not we're looking at ourselves or a relationship, we do get a little bit of a clearer thing. If we take judgment out of it, I find it's easier for people to um, Mm -hmm. leave relationships if it's not conducive Mm -hmm. to their growth. Right. And as opposed to making the other person quote unquote wrong. And I know that sounds strange because you're like, how could you do all this abuse? They are wrong. Well, yes. But also, no, in the sense of the judgment of aspect of stuff, because it can kind of keep us stuck mm-hmm. in where we are. Judgment turns off our awareness. So that's kind of an interesting little aside, it, but that's just my personal point of view with respect to that. I think judgment also hinders our healing. Totally. Because I think it turns off our capacity for compassion or empathy or any of those things that allow us a pathway through it uh, and and a pathway of healing when when we remain stuck in judgment, it's really easy to remain stuck in uh, anger or 
you know, those sort of quote unquote negative emotions that really just keep us stuck in that place and not in a place where we can move through or forward. Totally. Exactly what you said. It keeps us in reaction. Yeah. Right. Judgment is like, it really keeps us in reaction. And again, saying, oh, this isn't for me, isn't a judgment. Right. So that's why we can still empower ourselves to leave stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's not, not having judgment does not mean putting up with something. Agreed. I want to make that very clear. Agreed. It is, does not mean like, okay, then you can roll over me because I'm not just, you know, like, I'm not saying no. Judgment doesn't mean not yeah. saying no, right? You can say, no, this isn't for me and not be yeah. in judgment. You could even be incredibly intense mm -hmm. and not be in judgment. But so it's a, it's a very kind of soupy kind of aspect of stuff, but it is, uh, it is helpful. And I think probably we'll have an episode about <laughs> judgment at some point because it's something to talk about here. And so, Sarah, my dear friend, I think on that note, as I'm looking at kind of stuff, I think this has been an interesting yeah. conversation. Um, I think because for me, anyways, personally, gaslighting is has been helpful is in the vernacular because it does offer us another ability to look at <laughs> disempowerment and the wrongness of us and how much that's impacted by other people and society. And I think that's a very important aspect for us generally as a species mm -hmm. and kind of a society to evolve. And it's interesting talking about this because it, it, you realize how much it is kind of permeated to the different structures. And yes, it's very clear in certain examples of relationships. And I think we all have an example personally that we know of a friend or a family member that you're like, they're getting gas mm -hmm. lit, right? And so there's there. But it is kind of that disempowerment is a very, very um, prevalent currency yeah. in our society. And it is an interesting thing. And I think these types of conversations are helpful because, you know, the more we're aware of gaslighting, the more we're aware of disempowerment, the more we can choose differently and change yeah. it and have forgiveness for ourselves that that choice yes. can take some time. Well said. Well said, friend. Absolutely. I think on that note, that's what we have to say for today. <laughs> I like it. That's a I lovely like wrap it. up. I'm going to go look for <laughs> gas leaks. I'm going to go look for gas leaks in my life. I like that. I like it. We'll take. Okay, everyone. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining our conversation today. You can head over to thisbiglifepodcast.com for all the show notes and information. If you loved what you heard here today, would you do us a favor and rate and review the show? It helps more people just like you discover these juicy conversations. And if you know someone you think would love this particular episode, you can even go ahead and share it with them right now. And if you have a topic you would love to hear us discuss, or someone you think would make a great guest for our show, you can submit your ideas using the link in the show notes. And you can always find us on Instagram, at This Big Life Podcast. Thanks again. We'll be right back here in your ears next Tuesday. See you then.